listening to the Keep Going Podcast, where we keep going after the heart of God because He's our only hope. I'm Nika Maples. Come behold the works of God, the nations at His feet. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 7 the of the Keep Going Podcast. Right now we're in a series called A Walk Through the Psalms, and today our focus is on Psalms 43 through 49. Just a note, I use the New Living Translation as my primary text because it's so readable, and I don't approach these podcasts as a scholar, but as a lover of the Word who wants to share simple spiritual observations from my own daily Bible reading. Let's review Episode 6 in two points. Number one, we found connections between Genesis and Book 1 of the Psalms and saw the way God freed Joseph from all of the accusations brought about by his enemies. Number two, we looked at how faithful God is when we are the ones in bondage. He sets us free when we finally refuse to agree with the accusations of the enemy and agree with what God says about us instead. We are now in Book 2 of the Psalms, which corresponds to the Book of Exodus. We ended our look at Genesis with Joseph and the Israelites still in Egypt, far away from their home in Canaan. Joseph's deathbed request brings tears to my eyes. It's like the cliffhanger at the end of a gripping novel. He says, promise me you'll take my body out of here when you leave Egypt. Please bring my bones home. This is foreshadowing at its finest. We know they're going home. We just don't know when. Neither did Joseph. He had no idea how long it would be before they made good on that promise to carry home his bones. He had no idea how bad it would get before they could. In the first few lines of Exodus, we read a statement as powerful as the beginning of any sequel you can imagine. Then there arose a Pharaoh who did not know Joseph. The villainous music crescendos and the camera pans to the chiseled silhouette of an Egyptian. His stone-like jaw is set on oppression. He looks out over the sea of sand and, though it is early morning, a dark shadow falls from his blue and gold striped headdress down to his forceful arm. There is a long crooked staff of Egyptian royalty in his fist. He's like a shepherd of death. Help us. Not long after Joseph's death, the Israelites were forced into slave labor, making bricks. I've always wondered if the Israelites were participating in making the Great Pyramids of Egypt, but I looked this up. Those were completed more than a thousand years before Joseph and all of his relatives even came to Egypt. And right in the middle of this hardship, God birthed a deliverer. Cue the infant cry of Moses. The evil Pharaoh has ordered that all Hebrew baby boys be thrown into the Nile River. And since you already know how the story ends, I'll go ahead and say it. It was almost like Pharaoh was turning the Nile into a river of blood himself, the blood of Israelite children. God would not forget this. And God protected many of those babies, including Moses. His mother, Jochebed, hid him until he was three months old and then set him out upon the Nile in a floating basket crib that God sailed straight to the palace. There, Pharaoh's daughter pulled the baby from the water and claimed him as her own. Moses was a Hebrew, but he was raised as an Egyptian. Moses was raised as an Egyptian. This fact is so important that I'm going to come back to it more than once before we finish the book of Psalms in the Pentateuch. Moses was raised as an Egyptian. 
He seemed so Egyptian by the time he was 40 years old that when he went to Midian and defended some shepherd girls from aggressive men, they explained the story this way. An Egyptian rescued us. Now, he wasn't an Egyptian. He still identified as a Hebrew, but his customs and mannerisms and by virtue of cultural influence, he seemed like an Egyptian. God trains us for the good works that he has prepared in advance for us to do. He says so in Ephesians 2.10. And Moses was about to have to do something big. The problem was he just didn't believe that God had prepared him for it. Have you ever been there? Have you heard the call to go and do and then argued with the Lord that you didn't have what it takes? Uh-oh. We need to look closer at Moses' conversation with God. P.S. I have argued with God about my inadequacy, too. So let's look rather sheepishly at what happens when we argue with the Good Shepherd. Speaking of shepherds, let's start there. Moses spent 40 years being one. His first 40 years were in a palace as a prince, but his second 40 years were on a rocky landscape as a shepherd, and he would need the training of both experiences in order to successfully lead his people home. Then when Moses is 80, God meets him in a burning bush and reveals the plan for deliverance. The former Pharaoh is now dead, and a new Pharaoh, just as evil, has taken his place on the throne. God tells Moses what he needs to say to him, and I'm not a good speaker, Moses interrupts. I never have been, and I'm not now. This was a lie. We have biblical proof. In Acts 7, 22, we read, Moses was educated in all of the wisdom of the Egyptians. He was powerful in speech and action. Moses was raised as an Egyptian. I told you, this is going to be important again and again. He had tutors, and he was trained as a prince would be. His elocution would have been impeccable. God answers Moses, Who makes mouths? Who makes people so they can speak or not speak, hear or not hear, see or not see? Is it not I, the Lord? I will help you speak well. But Moses argues again. Then the Lord became angry with Moses. That's what it says. Then the Lord became angry with Moses. He lets Aaron, Moses' brother, take the position of the speaker. But by forcing God's hand, Moses is opening the door to a huge error. Huge! See, even though they were brothers, Moses and Aaron were completely different. This is a result of the way they were raised. Aaron was raised in oppression. Moses was not. Moses did not have a slave mindset. He had a princely mindset, even an entitled mindset. We can see this in the fact that he argues with God and tells him to send someone else. Who does Moses think he is? Royalty? Maybe. Someone with a slave mindset just blindly obeys a master without objection or question. This is good and bad. Aaron obeyed God blindly and went to meet Moses and act as the primary speaker. He obeyed Moses blindly, repeating the words that he was asked to say. But later, he blindly obeyed the enemy and his fellow Israelites when they suggested idol worship. 
God did not have a principal position of leadership in mind for Aaron. He had a different but just as critical task for him. We'll get to all of that in another episode. But here, we find Moses telling God what to do, as if he were Pharaoh's grandson. Well, I guess he was. God has the last word at the end of this conversation, though. He says, Moses, pick up your shepherd's staff and then do what I tell you to do. Let's go ahead and get to our touchstone verse in book two of the Psalms. It's Psalm 49, 14. Like sheep, fools are led to the grave, where death will be their shepherd. I couldn't get over that verse when I read it in the Psalms this week. Fools are led to the grave, where death will be their shepherd. I kept picturing an Egyptian pharaoh and the rod that he would hold. You know that crooked staff? I read a little bit about this. It's called a heka staff, H-E-Q-A. And it was, get this, a shepherd's staff. But the pharaoh had one that was marked with the gold and blue stripes of royalty. And it was meant to signify that the one on the throne of Egypt would lead the people like a shepherd. Yet the dynasty of pharaohs led the people to their graves as if they were shepherds of death. Moses traveled through the desert from Midian back to Egypt in response to God's call, back to the place where he was born, back to the place where he grew up. Do you think he wanted to go? He was headed back to the place where his Egyptian adopted family had run him out of town. It may have been a different pharaoh on the throne by that time, but it had only been 40 years since he left Egypt. So Moses may have had ancient childhood history with the pharaoh that he was asked to confront. There may have been all kinds of memories behind the Egyptian wound of his past, and he was about to reopen it. No wonder he was begging God to send someone else. Unfortunately, and fortunately, God often brings us back to the places that we swear we'll never return. He takes us back to old lands to walk in the shoes of a new identity. Moses had spent 40 years away from Egypt. While he was gone, he married a Midianite. He had half Midianite sons. He had been working as a shepherd. He didn't look like an Egyptian prince anymore. He looked like a nomad. He was a stranger in a strange land when he went back to Egypt. He had a discomfort that he didn't have before during the first part of his life. He had a keen awareness when he returned to Egypt, thinking, this is not where we belong. This is not our home. He took his shepherd's staff and met with the Israelite leaders to let them know the plan. Now, at first, they thought it was good. But later, when Pharaoh didn't react the way the Israelite leaders expected, and things got worse before they got better, they were upset. See, Pharaoh heaped twice as much oppression on the Israelites just because Moses had asked for freedom. Then, the Bible says, the Israelite leaders wouldn't listen to Moses anymore because they had become too discouraged by the increasing burden of their slavery. How was Moses supposed to lead people when they wouldn't listen to him? God could have asked Moses a similar question. How am I supposed to lead you, Moses, when you won't listen to me? Many times I've listened to the voice of the Good Shepherd, and I obeyed. But then, when things got worse before they got better, 
I became too discouraged by my worsening situation, and I stopped listening. Have you been there? It took a long time for Moses to finally learn this lesson. And once he did, it was his life's mission to pass it on. In Deuteronomy, he prophesied the coming Messiah. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. Why wouldn't we listen to him? Look again at the touchstone verse from the Psalms. Remember, it's Psalms 49, 14. Like sheep, fools are led to the grave, where death will be their shepherd. But wise men follow someone else. We see him in John 10, 10 through 14. He says, I have come so that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. My sheep know my voice. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the life. The life is our good shepherd, and he leads us to life. The wise will listen to his voice. One of the questions I'm asked most often is, how can I hear God? People think it's mysterious and challenging to recognize the voice of God, but often the same people have no trouble at all recognizing the voice of the enemy. They know that his voice comes with the jingle jangle of guilt and ridicule and shame. That jingling sound is his keychain. The second you let him in the door of your heart by entertaining his voice, he's going to come on in and lock the door behind him. The voice of the Lord has a similar sound to it. He's also carrying keys. But they are keys to your freedom. So if you feel an urge to move toward hope, to move toward love, to move toward faith, to move toward something that only God could accomplish, then it's probably his voice. It may feel scary, but the moment you take a step in a response to that voice, there's peace. There'll be the rush of butterflies in your stomach because you know that following him is always going to push you beyond what's comfortable. But again, there will be that sense of peace. When I'm obeying his voice, I find myself thinking, this seems pretty crazy, I know, but I also feel peace about moving forward in this direction. When can you expect to hear God? During the daily moments. He'll meet you. He knows your routine. It stood out to me in Exodus when I read that Moses approached Pharaoh to tell him about each oncoming plague. Three of those times, God told Moses to go down to the Nile River in the early morning. He told Moses to catch Pharaoh there because his daily habit was to go down to the water first thing. That amazed me. God knew Pharaoh's daily routine. There was something so special and intimate about the fact that God knew where to find Pharaoh in order to speak to him. Well, he also knows where to find us. Carve out some intentional moments to sing praise. That's how we come into his gates. And be still. Then pour out your heart, asking God anything you want, and listen for his voice. If you don't sense that he's speaking during that time, just Go on about your day in expectation. Invite him to meet you anywhere in your daily routine. Tell him you'll be listening. Tell him you'll be expecting him. And then whatever he says to do, do it. Obedience makes the way for hearing him more and more. Look, things may get worse before they get better in response to your obedience, but don't stop listening. 
The path that leads to freedom may take you through a desert, but it doesn't mean that you're headed the wrong way. Now, stop for a moment. Picture Moses in Pharaoh's throne room. He holds a simple wooden shepherd's staff in his hand. He's ready to lead the people to freedom, but he is face to face with Pharaoh. He has an ornate golden shepherd's staff in his hand, and he is ready to lead the people deeper into slavery. Now picture how this scene has been flipped for you today. It's Satan who is in God's throne room. He's the one who's holding an alluring, tempting, lusty, ornate, golden, almost irresistible shepherd's staff in his hand. He is death, and he is ready to lead us, heavily burdened and oppressed, right into our graves. God smiles. He turns to the one who is seated at his right hand. Jesus, the good shepherd, holds a simple shepherd's staff in his hand. He is ready to lead us to life. My yoke is easy, he laughs. My burden is light. The father nods, a proud shimmer in his eye. This is my son. Listen to him. Oh God, who makes the mountains melt, come wrestle us and win. Oh God, who makes the mountains melt, come wrestle us and win. Today's music is from Psalm 46 by Shane and Shane and is used with permission. Do me a favor, if you enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review it on iTunes. Just open iTunes and then go to the iTunes store, find my podcast, and you'll see a tab that says Ratings and Reviews. You can add yours there. That will help other listeners find me. Also, if you're not on my email list, please go to nikamaples.com to sign up and receive your Psalms reading schedule and a free hope poster each month. And now... We believe that hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because He's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. We'll talk soon. Until then, keep going. The oceans roll, you are the Lord alone, the one who calms the wind and waves and makes my heart. Still.